And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, good morning. Ooh, there we go. We came in hot today. Don't worry. It's going to get maybe better than this. I don't know. If not, 
You watched the video, you got what you need to do. So you can go home happy and good today. Um, it's so good to see you, whether you're joining us here in our North Sanctuary, our South Sanctuary at our Speedway campus, or you're driving to Florida right now on spring break. We love you and wish that we could have the sun like you have it right now. Um, it is so, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is JJ and I'm the student ministry director here at Westside and I'm just so grateful. Thank you, thank you for, was that you, Grant? Thank you so much for saying woo. Um, I, I love that. And, hey, listen, uh, just so you know, and this is for free, the, the more you talk back to me, the faster I preach. So if you want to go eat lunch early, like just keep, keep it coming. Um, anyways, hey, you may or may not know this, but, but God is at work in the lives of young people right now all over America. And the same thing is happening here at Westside. God is working in our students here. In fact, as a church, we've been on this unshakable journey together. And we've said, hey, our goal is to develop unshakable faith and love. And I just want you to know that our students are living this out. In fact, we have a group of students who jumped on a plane yesterday to go to Fort Myers to help clean up some of the damage and wreckage that happened for Hurricane. We actually have a picture of them this morning. And uh, I wanna just to start off by praying for them and over them and over our time together. So Jesus, we just thank you. Uh, we praise you. We thank you, God, that uh, you're in this place. Father, I know you don't need my permission, but I, I, I invite you in here. And I ask God that no matter what we're about to do, partake, look into your word, that we would do it with you. Father, I pray over these students and these adults, Lord, that um, are living on mission, that are showing people the love of Jesus right now. I ask you that, that you would be with them, that they would have your mind, that they would have your eyes to see the things that you want them to see and do. God, I pray that they would be blessed this week as they're being a blessing. Father, the last thing I ask is that your word would fall on the good soil of our hearts. God, what I have to say will, will return void, but what you have to say will not return void. And so, Father, if there's anything that we can get, I pray that we can get your word so deep into our hearts that it changes us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, a few years ago, my wife and I were able to take our two kids to a KC Royals game. It was so fun. We had a great time. My kids love going. And so we got there. We got the hot dog. We got the Cracker Jacks. We got the peanuts. We sit down. We're enjoying the game. But my kids were really young. They're six and three now. So they're about four, two, maybe one. Um, and they started getting a little bit antsy. Like start wiggling. And so my wife's like, the greatest of all time. She said, hey, um, I'm gonna take the kids up and we're gonna walk around for a little bit. You sit back and enjoy the game. And I'm like, praise you, Jesus, for a wonderful wife, for giving her to me that I could sit here and enjoy this game. And so they left, they went up and they walked around and I was sitting there enjoying the game. It was beautiful out. It was actually in the fall. And then my phone began to vibrate and and so I pulled it out, and, and I saw that was my wife. I was like, hey, she's going to get me some more peanuts. Yes, I'm almost out. And I answered the phone, and before I could say anything, she frankly goes, we lost Ella. And I was like, what do you mean you lost Ella? And she's like, well, well, well Bud was thirsty, and we went to get him a drink, and I told Ella to stay right here, and then we got a drink, and as soon as I turned around, she was gone. And so everything in that moment just sunk to the pit of my stomach. And so I grabbed everything, the stroller, everything like that. And I ran up the stairs and found my wife. And we began to look for Ella, but we could not find her anywhere. 
And so finally, we came in contact with someone that was on the royal staff, and uh, we ran up to, hey, 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 we lost our daughter, we lost our daughter, here's a picture of her, can you help us find her? And they got on the radio, and we just all began to search for my daughter, but we couldn't find her. Have you ever had a moment where you lost something important or valuable to you? My guess is that you probably have because we've all lost something valuable. It may not be that you lost your kid or maybe you did and you misplaced them at Target and they were hiding in the clothes and you found them. Or, or maybe you asked your parents for those AirPods for Christmas, they gave them to you and three days later you lost them and you're like, I can't tell them I lost them because they spent so much money on these AirPods. Or maybe you finally got that necklace that your grandma passed to your mom and your mom passed to you at Christmas and you do not know where it's at, or maybe you lost your keys on the way here, and that's why you showed up to the 9.30. You meant to come to the 8.15 service, but you showed up because you lost your keys. But you found them, right? Or maybe, just maybe, you lost that stinking Apple TV remote for the 50 millionth time. I don't know. I wish that they could make it bigger. So we've all had those moments where we've lost something. And when we lose something, what do we do? We, we, we search for it, Right? We, we flip over the couch, we look underneath the rug, we uh, retrace our steps. Some of us, we go to our wife and we say, hey, you're to blame because every time that you touch the TV remote, it gets lost. And I saw you touch it last night. So where's it at? Where'd you put it? So we search for it until we find it. And when we find it, we celebrate, we get excited. We're like, yes, we found it, we found it. And what, what do we do? Uh, we, we go to our wife and we're like, hey, I'm sorry. And then some of us, we jump on our phones and we pull out Amazon. We're like, uh, can I resend this back to them? Can I get it back to them? Because I don't need two of these Apple remotes. So we all know the urgency and the excitement when we lose something and then we find it. But let me ask you another question. What about if it was more important than like a keys or a phone or a wallet? In other words, what if it was someone who didn't have a relationship with Jesus and then they came into a relationship with Jesus, how would we respond in that moment? Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is surrounded by a very interesting crowd. He's surrounded by tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors, you may or may not know, were hated in this time. And they were hated because they could come to you and say, hey, here's how much you owe for taxes. And not only that, but hey, I need a little bit extra. And there's nothing that you could do in that moment. You had to give them the money and then they would pocket the extra that they took from you. So they're hated, but they were really hated because they worked for the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire at this time, they controlled the vast majority of the world. And so what they would do is when they would come and they would overtake a city, they would bring an army and the army would come in and they would kill people, men, women, and children. They would take advantage of people and then they would set up camp. And if you're going to have a big army, the, the thing that you have to have is money. And so they would go out in the town and they would find an outcast and they would hire that person to be a tax collector. So yeah, tax collectors were hated because they stole money from you, but they were really hated because they worked for the Roman government. In fact, they were hated so much that they didn't want to offend the sinners of the day and they put them into their own category. So there's tax collectors, there's sinners. Now sinners aren't just people who sin and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone in the crowd except for Jesus was that. These sinners were people who had disabilities, 
and they had diseases. And because they had disabilities and diseases, they were casted out from people. And if we could just really take a look at the tax collectors and sinners, they all find themselves in the same camp. And the camp that they find themselves in that day is this idea that there's no way that God could ever love them because of what they've done. But they find themselves around Jesus. And then there's another group of people, the Pharisees. The people that were, if they were here today, they would make me look like I was on the JV squad because they know the Bible better than I do. They haven't memorized. These people were there and they looked out and they couldn't understand why the people that weren't like Jesus actually liked Jesus. And they couldn't understand why Jesus, who was more like them and not like them, wanted to have dinner with these people. So they, they just began to whisper to themselves, hey, I don't, I don't get this, but here's, he must accept what they're doing. And so Jesus, he hears this and he sits down. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize is that when he taught parables or when he taught, he didn't teach standing up. He sat down because there's something intimate when you sit down and you sit eye to eye, knee to knee with someone. So Jesus, he sat down and he told one story, three different examples in the story. And here's what he said. He said, let's just say that one of you, you have a hundred sheep. And one day you're out counting the sheep because you're a good shepherd and you do that and you count and you get all the way to 99 and you're like, where's, where's the hundredth sheep? And so you, you're like, ah, maybe I miscounted. And so you counted again, you had your friend count and you realized that you were missing one sheep. Wouldn't you leave the 99 and everything behind to go find the one sheep? And as Jesus asked this question, he saw something very interesting that day. The tax collectors and the sinners and even the Pharisees were all in agreement that, yes, we would leave the 99 to find the one. And so Jesus, he, he continues and he says, okay, let's, let's say that you found it. Wouldn't you throw the sheep over your shoulder? Wouldn't you go back into town and wouldn't you be like, man, I'm excited to found the sheep. And wouldn't you call your friends? Wouldn't you call the people of town and throw this massive, massive party? And again, everyone in the crowd was nodding Yes. And before they could say anything, Jesus leans in and he says, I tell you the truth, there's more joy, there's more celebration that happens in heaven over one lost person who is found than someone who is lost and doesn't think they need to be found. And then he continues and he tells a second story and he leans over and he begins to talk to the women that were in the crowd that day. And he says, hey, let's just say that you're engaged and you're not engaged like we're engaged. You don't have a ring, you have a necklace and on that necklace you have 10 coins. And let's say one day you're fixing your hair, you're putting your makeup on and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and then you notice one, two, there's, there's only nine. Wouldn't you stop everything that you're doing, turn on the lights, retrace your steps, look underneath the rug, look everywhere, call other people to help you to find the lost coin? And everyone, including the women in the crowd that day, were shaking their heads, yes. And so Jesus said, hey, let's say that you finally found it. Wouldn't you get excited? Wouldn't you be joyful? Wouldn't you get on the phone and talk to your mom for three hours and then like tell her, hey, I found it, I found it, I found it, and, like, and call your friends and throw a party So Jesus says, I tell you the truth, there's more celebration in heaven over one lost person who is found than one person who doesn't believe they need to be found. And then he tells 
the crescendo of all stories, the most scandalous story at the time. And he says, I got one more for you. I got one more for you. Let's, there's this man, and he had two sons. And one day, this man and these two sons, they were sitting at breakfast, but this was a, a little bit of an awkward breakfast because no one was talking. And the reason why they weren't talking is because the younger son and the father, the night before, had one of their infamous arguments. And so the silence grew until finally the younger son, he pushed back his chair and he stood up and he says, I can't take it anymore. I hate you. I hate living here. I hate following your rules. I know that one day I'm going to receive an inheritance and I don't want to wait. I want it now. And I want you to pretend like you're dead. And everyone in the crowd that day was shocked. And the older brother was shocked and angry because he looked at us and said, hey, are you gonna let him talk to you like that? But the father said nothing. So the older son, he left and went to the field and there was silence again. And the younger son, he looked at his dad, hey, did you hear what I said? And the dad didn't say anything and he pushed back because he couldn't hold it anymore, he's about to cry, and he went to the other room, and as he went to the other room, he, he went there, and he's like, okay, I don't know what to do, I've never had this happen to me before, and, and then it came to him that maybe the best thing for me to do is just to give him what he wants. So he took the inheritance and began to divide it up, what the younger son was gonna receive, what the older son was gonna receive, and he came back, and he brought it to the, to the younger son, he said, yes, I'll grant you your request. And the younger son said, Thanks. And he packed up his bags and he left. And he went to a city where no one knew his name, where no one knew who his father was, so that he could do everything that the father told him that he couldn't do, so he could buy everything that he wanted to buy. And, and at first, everything is going really well. And then Jesus tells us that a famine hits, or maybe for us to understand a little bit more, a recession hit. And at first, he, he's fine, like, because he has a lot of money, but he keeps living, and he keeps spending, and he keeps living, and he keeps spending, and then one day, he wakes up, and he realizes that it's gone, and the Pharisees in the crowd are like, okay, yeah, he's about to reap what he sows, and so Jesus says that the, the younger son, he thought about, what am I going to do? I can't go home. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show my father I can do it on my own. And so he goes out and he looks for a job and he can't find a job anywhere. And the only job that he could find was to work as a pig farmer, which was the most disgusting thing that a Jewish boy would have ever wanted to do in that time. And he, not only that, but he had to feed the pigs. And then one day, as he was feeding the pigs, he put the food into the trough and he longed to have what they were eating. And the crowd is, of Pharisees again are like, yes, I can't wait to tell my kids about this story. And the tax collectors and the sinners, they just drop their head because they've lived this story far too often. But then it hits the son, and he, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like 
one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And as he went to his father, he repeated his speech over and over again because when you messed up like he messed up, you have to make sure that you get it right when you speak to the father. Oh, father, I really messed up. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he kept repeating that self until finally he came over the hill and he saw for the first time in a very long time his home. And as he saw his home, his life was filled up with shame, regret, and not understanding all the emotions that were gonna come onto him. And he just froze because he couldn't go any further. And he sat there for what seemed like hours. But then Jesus says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the crowd that day and Jesus turned to me and I was living in that culture and he said he was filled with fill in the blank, I would have just shouted anger. He was filled with anger because how dare the son embarrass his father the way that he embarrassed the father? How dare him bring the shame that he brought onto that family name? He was filled with anger, Jesus, because I know I would have been filled with anger. But Jesus takes us on another twist and he says, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with what? Compassion. So he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now can we just put ourselves in this story for a second? Like the father hasn't seen the son and the son's sitting up there and he's, he's a long way off and the father sees what only a father sees. He sees the outline of his son and he realizes that's my boy. I thought he was dead, and for the very first time, he sees his son, and he runs to him, and there's no Jewish man in that day that would have run to the son, but he ran to the son, and when he got to the son, he took him, his one arm, and he put it around his head, and he took the other one and put it at the small of his back, and he pulled his son in, and there was nothing said for a few moments except for the tears that you could just hear in the moment, and they embraced, and he kissed him. And finally, the son mustered up the courage. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then as he's about to say, make the father yells to the servant and over his son, quick, 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 quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate to which everyone in the crowd is like, hold on a second, Jesus, celebrate? Like, like shouldn't we wait to see if he's sincere first? Shouldn't we wait to see if he's truly sorry and you want us to, like, to celebrate? Like, Jesus, that's messed up. We don't understand why we should celebrate, why he should have celebrated in that moment. And then Jesus says, the son of mine, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, and now he is found, so we gotta go celebrate. And this would have been, like, I think one of the greatest endings to one of the most amazing stories if Jesus would have ended the story right there. 
And for a lot of us, if you grew up in church or maybe you've heard this story before, this is actually where most people stop the story because it's like, man, this is really good. It feels great. He celebrated. But Jesus at the beginning of this tells us there's how many sons? Two sons. And the older son, he's not there in that moment. He's actually out in the field and he's working and he's putting in his day's work. And then he, the work day is over, so he's coming back in. And as he's coming back in, Jesus would tell us that he hears a celebration. And here's how big this celebration is, is that he could hear the dancing. That's crazy. That's a big celebration for him to hear the dancing. And he's a little bit confused in this moment because he knows the father better than he thinks the father knows him. And his father tells him everything. And he didn't tell me that we're gonna have a party. So he calls his servant over and says, hey, 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 come here. Hey, what's going on? I didn't know we were having a party. He's like, yeah, 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 hey, you remember your brother? Yeah, I don't talk about him. Well, well, I know you don't talk about him, but he's home. And your father, he, he's throwing him a party. He even fixed him filet mignon from your cow. He's like, hold on a second. That cow was for my wedding. What do you mean he killed my cow? It's okay, we'll get you another one, I promise. <laughs> but your father wants you to come to the party. And the older brother crosses his arms. Well, you can tell him I'm not coming to the party. And so the servant he goes out and he comes to the party. Hey, hey, your son says he's not coming. And here's what I love about the father. So his father went out and pleaded with him. In other words, his father went out there and he said, hey, son, come to the party. We gotta celebrate, we gotta celebrate. And his son's like, I'm not coming to the party. I've always been faithful to you. I've always done what you asked me to do. And this son of yours who took all of his inheritance before you died, he went off and he spent money on things I don't even think you and mom wanna know about. He went out and he lost it all and now he comes back and you throw him a party? You've never thrown me a party. So I'm not coming to the party. His father says, son, look at me. You were always with me. And everything I have is yours. To which the older brother's like, did you just change the subject? What, what do you mean with you? The father's like, like, son, yeah, with me. Like you're missing the, the whole point. You think this is about your performance, but this is about your proximity to me. And you have never left me. You have always been with me. And that is the thing that I value the most. And hey, on top of that, it's not like he's gonna get anything else. He's got what he's got, but you have everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So come on, son. This isn't about how you have obeyed me. This isn't how you've been faithful. This is about being with me. And your brother, he was gone, but he came back and he is now with us, with us. And we need to celebrate that. So son, come back, come back and come to the party because your brother needs to understand that there is nothing that he has done to make me love him less. And you, you need to understand that there's nothing that you could do to make me love more. That 
is the message that Jesus was trying to get the crowd to see that day and understand. That is the message that we need to get today. And the reason why we need to get this is because this will change our relationship with Jesus. In fact, I could just say, if this is the essence of what it means to follow Jesus, it's right here in that whole message. For some of us, we need to hear the message that there's nothing that you have done to make God love you more. And the reason why we need to hear this is because some of us are worn out and we don't have peace and we don't have joy and we don't have patience in our life because we're trying to earn something that God has already given to us freely. So hear the beauty of the gospel today. There's nothing that you have done to make God love you more. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't pray enough. You can't show up to church enough. You can't tithe enough. He loves you for God so loved the world. He loved the world. He didn't say, hey, because you did this, I love the world. No, he said, I love the world because I am loved. This is our God. And he is telling us today, there's nothing that you could do to make me love you more. And we need to sit in that grace and that mercy and that kindness. Because Jesus said this about performing on the cross, it is finished. So following Jesus isn't about the depth of what we do for him or how we act or what we don't do. The depth of our relationship with Jesus is about our withness with him. It's growing closer in proximity to him every single day. And we need this in our hearts. I need this in my heart today. Because it can be so easy for us to believe the lie that we have to do something in order to earn his love. His love has been given to us free. And he can set us free from the trap that we have to perform for him. And this will change the way you read the Bible. This will change the way you pray. This will change the way that you show up at church because we can just say, hey, listen, when I read the Bible or when I come to church or when I pray or when I worship, when I tithe, it's all about just being with God. And it can change us from the inside out. Why does that matter? Because there's a world out there that is lost. There's a world out there that are like the tax collectors and the sinners of that day that don't believe that the God of this universe could love them because of something that they've done in their past. And we are called to take on the mission of God and take that mission to the ends of the earth. So when we go to work, we get to do that with him. And we can't give something, something to someone that we haven't received ourselves. So for some of us, we need that message that there's nothing that we could do to make God love us more. And we need to sit in that today. But on the flip side, we need to understand today that there's nothing that you could do to make God love you less. And I know that because I've experienced that in my life, but I know it even more now because losing Ella was one of the scariest moments of my my life. And, And I just remember we searched for what seemed like hours. I know it was only moments. But eventually... We got a call, I got a second call from my wife and they're like, they found her and they're bringing her back to us and I wasn't with them, I was across on the other side of the stadium and I just took off. I hate running, I think running is a sin and I just took off in a dead sprint and I'm like, yes. And then, and then I turned the corner and as I turned the corner, I even took off faster. I think I could have beat Usain Bolt in a race in that moment. I ran and I saw my daughter and when I got to my daughter, I got down like this and I grabbed her and I picked her up and I told her that I loved her. Why? I wasn't mad at her because she left. I was proud that she was with me. And then we took her to the store. (laughs) Parenting, right? 
and we bought her this hat. And, and I wasn't going to talk about this hat today, and I didn't, but God's way smarter than I am. He's like, hey, remember the hat. And this week, I, I looked at this hat, and when I look at this hat, I don't remember losing Ella. I remember her being home and being found. There's some of us here today, we need to realize that there's nothing that you could do to make God love you less. Why? He's a better savior than you are a sinner. So if you're here today and you're tired of being lost, you're tired of being dead, you're tired of trying to deal with your conscience, you're tired of trying to drink it away or medicate it away, you're tired of trying to lie it away or pretend that it's not even there and you are here and you are ready to be found. Here's some good news today. If you will turn around, you will be found. And you'll be found not because God does not know where you are, you'll be found because you will once again be with him. And there's a savior who came to us. Why will you were yet still sinners? Christ came and he died for us. He's already run and he's just waiting to embrace you today. And here's the promise that I'll make to you. If you are that person and you are the younger brother and you need to be found today, I promise you, we're not gonna be like the older brother at Westside Family Church. We're gonna celebrate. We're gonna get excited And the reason why we're gonna celebrate and get excited is because we have all been the younger brother before. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we will celebrate with you. Why? Well, let me put it in the words of Jesus this morning. We have to celebrate and be glad because our brother and our sister was dead, but now they're alive. You were lost and now you're found. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I pray that message over some of us this morning. I pray it over our lives that we would allow that to sink into the depths of our souls this morning. For the person that's believing the lie that they have to do something in order to win your love, Father, I pray, I beg you right now that you would just let their love, let the love of who you are soak deep into the depths of your heart. so that when we leave this place, we will leave knowing that we are loved no matter what. Father, if someone's here and they don't have a relationship with you, God, their heart's racing a thousand miles per hour right now. Father, if they just in this moment, in their hearts, they're turning to you. Father, I pray for the very first time that you would set them free and let them know that you want a relationship with them and that they could stand up in just a second and they can sing and they can worship, not as someone who's got it all together, but someone who's been found by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, Holy Spirit, change the atmosphere of our lives, change the atmosphere of this place. God, I don't, I don't wanna leave this place the same I came in. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters here. And I just ask you to do what only you can do. And Father, I just ask just for a moment before we sing, may we just sit in your love and your grace and your mercy. Not because we need it, not because we deserve it. It's what our hearts are longing for today. So we thank you, we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?